PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 11th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we catch up with the Nottingham Scorpions, Rania Ramadan, Fremantle Dockers and Swan District's footballer, Ashley Sharp, AFL Tasmania's Lee Alda, and we give our predictions for the VFL women's season with Katie Lambeski and Christy Williams. All that coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 11th edition of the GirlsBayFooty.com podcast. At a reminder, you can hear this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings from about quarter past six on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne. Or of course, download the podcast anytime from Thursday mornings via SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search for Girls Play Footy. Time for our first interview. Now, you may recall last week we talked the Haggis Cup that was happening in Scotland. We previewed it with Stacey Hughes from the Glasgow Sharks. While the tournament was taken out by the Nottingham Scorpions, they clean swept it, beaten every team to take home the title. And I've got on the line from the Scorpions, Rania Ramadan. Rania, thank you very much for joining us here on girlsplayfooty.com. Now, I have to ask you the question like we ask everyone that isn't based in Australia. How did you first come across Aussie Rules Football? Yeah, so um, a few years ago, so in 2013, uh, Laura and I went out to uh, Australia for the year and um, we were both teaching out there. And uh, we went along and watched um, the Sydney Uni Bombers. We had a, a friend out there that was playing. We were like, oh, God, that game looks brutal. Um, so we were like, oh, I probably won't try that. We'll play a bit of soccer and a bit of basketball and netball. And then it was just all over the TV. So like a few weeks later, we are like, oh, actually, let's, you know, let's give it a go. And uh, we got in touch with our friend Lara, who um, played for Sydney Uni Bombers, and uh, went down to training, and the rest is history, really. Now, if I'm correct, looking at the statistics in 2014, I think you snuck in a couple of games and uh, even featured in being listed as part of the best players in a game against the Newtown Breakaways. <laughs> yeah, we did, yeah. And we basically did like, all of pre-season, and then because of when we were flying back to England... We literally only managed like a couple of games, um, but it was like, yeah, it was really, really good like to play, and you know the girls were really good with us, and the manager out there, you know, was really patient and taught us the game well, really. Um, so yeah, we had a, we had a good start out there, and then obviously we play, only got to play a couple, and then we came back to England, and we were like, right, well, just spent all that time learning this like fantastic game, and um, we were like, right, well, how are we going to get involved and, and play it here? And one of the girls, Libby, um, she's like in charge of. Like the development out there in Australia, and she just said, "Oh, I like get in touch with your AFL. They do play it, um, like over in England, and just like try and get involved." So we did, yeah. Now, the one thing for you, of course, is you're with the Nottingham Scorpions, which is a couple of hours out of London. We know the London competition's got four teams going. So, how was it trying to get Aussie rules going for women up in Nottingham? Yeah, um, well, when we got back from Australia, um, we actually ended up playing some games in Newcastle uh, and um, in Sheffield, and, we, and then still, there was a couple of games in London. We just we just basically tried to get anybody in England that was playing Aussie Rules. We got loads of like all-star like, players together to try and have a game, um, and then Laura managed to find um, like the Nottingham Men's Scorpions team. So we're like, oh, so we just got in touch with them really um, and started training with them. Um, and then so from two, it then became three, and then we got our friends involved and just asked like anybody really wanted to come down. Then it ended up like being a solid six of us um, from Nottingham. And then we ended up playing for North London Lions in the London League. 
And then I think basically we had a couple of seasons. Well, we had a season with the Hawks girls, uh, Laura and I, and then we had a season with North London Lions. Um, and then I think just from there, really, we've like publicised it on Facebook and like we always tell our friends about it and we just try and get everybody like involved. So then we had a few more people like turn up to the Nottingham men's Scorpions team with us. And then we just kind of thought, well, right, let's let's try and get a women's team. Um, I know that we've only got the London League here in England at the moment, but, you know, eventually, as it's growing and it's growing, it's multiplying, really, um, then maybe we might be able to get, like, a Midlands League or even, like, a Northern League and try and play some more games there. So, yeah, we've just tried to get involved with the men, really. They've been really, really supportive with us. Um, like, they'd, like, take the training sessions and... We just got a few more girls in, and, and that was it, really. We started. So, yeah, we played our first uh, tournament at the weekend in the Haggis Cup, and uh, we had, you know, had a great success. We, we won the tournament, so we're really, really happy with that. Before we have a look at that in detail, let's just step back for the moment. How has pre-season been like for you, and what are the current numbers looking like for the women's team at the Nottingham Scorpions? Uh, yes, the Nottingham Scorpions, we've got maybe about... We've got like 13, 14 girls that have been training each week, um, which has been fantastic, really. Um, and then they've got some some new them, some new men's players as well. Uh, but we had a, a, like a little friendly um, against our, our team, North London Lions. They came up a couple of weeks ago. Um, that was really, really good for the girls to get involved and like play a full game of nine aside. Um, so yeah, so that was good. And so you could just like tell that. Each week from training, like all their skills and they're understanding the game a little bit more. And it's always like really useful to play, you know, against girls that have played, maybe played before or, you know, developing in the game. Um, and yeah, we, so we played against the Lions a couple of weeks ago. We ended up winning by quite a bit. So that was, that was really good progress and that really good for the girls, you know, like really motivated them to, you know, want to keep trying. Because it's really difficult, isn't it, learning a new game? And, you know, you've got to be really patient and determined and stuff. And, and we've, you know, we've been really good with the girls. And like we said, the men have been really good with us. So they came down and supported the game. And so hopefully we'll get more and more coming down to training. The score against the Lions prior to the um, Haggis Cup was extraordinary. 128 to nil. You've thumped a side who's playing more regular competition. Yeah, we had... Um, so obviously there's like there's six of us that play regularly, um, but you know the new girls that have come along, you know they've really added depth to the squad, and um, yeah we uh, we gave them yeah it was <laughs> it was a pretty strong lead. We're um, we're a bit relentless really. We it was used as a training game for us, so we just carried on playing like the best football that we can, and so when, yeah the score ended up creeping up quite a bit, but it was a really really enjoyable day for the girls. And um, you know the lines they had quite a few new players as well, so. Although the scoreline didn't reflect well on them, um, you know the progress that would have been made for the girls and, and for our girls was was incredible, really. And certainly a confidence boost for you as you headed up to Glasgow to take on the Sharks, the Giants, uh, the two Wandsworth Demons teams as well in the five-team round robin. Yeah, it was well, it was just a perfect stepping stone for them, you know, so they could get um, you know just off a few of the cobwebs and and just put a few of the things that we've been practicing in training and um, you know like into practice so it was really good for the girls and um, you know they were all really really nervous um, uh, you know and it's the first time we've like properly played you know it was like a tournament 
Um, but yeah, they're just like, you know, Laura captains as well, you know, she guides the girls through it, she motivates them and gives them, you know, good like coaching techniques and stuff. So, you know, we were kind of all in it together and, you know, we just kind of relaxed as we as we got onto the pitch for the first game. It was a bit frantic to start with, but as the time and the games went through, the progress that our new girls made was just unreal. And I think, you know, like we've come back from the weekend and everybody's buzzing. Um, so, you know, we've got messages, pictures, you know, all, flying all over social media and the girls just, they want a big come down now. Um, you know, they, they're, they're really getting stuck into it and they're all going to come and play in the London League now as well as a result of that. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really good. We've had a really good day, really good weekend. Fantastic to hear. In your mind, first of all, who did you find is your toughest opposition on the day? Um, on the day, uh, the Demons girls, they, um, they have, they've like doubled in size just this, just this pre-season. So they had one, um, they had one team last year uh, in the London League. And this year, what they've, I don't know if you've heard of this yet, they've, um, they've opened up like four more teams in London mm-hmm. and they're going to do like a Premier uh, League and a, like a, a Div 1 League, if you like. So the Demons have got like 70 people at training, like 70 women at training week in, week out. 70 so women? Two teams of 70 women. I know, it's absolutely incredible. So... Um, they're like just just alone that one team in London has now got seventy like women players. So compared to like last season, um, when there might have only been like a hundred girls, like in in all four leagues, they've got seventy alone. So that's absolutely massive for us. You know, like moving forward in the London League just alone. Um, so yeah, so they had like a real mixture of like quite a few Aussies. Um, they had like quite a few new girls, and they had some of their. Um, like experienced players that we came across in the last couple of seasons. But, yeah, they were definitely our, um, our stronger competitors. Um, but, you know, like it's a learning curve for the girls. So every game we were going out there, it was just, right, what we're going to work on this game, what we're going to work on now. And they set up a few different uh, tactical things. So some of them played like an extra man in defence in the back line. So that we then had to adjust the way that we were playing, um, you know, to suit that and stuff. So, yeah, it was good, a good test. And how did you find the competitiveness of the Scottish teams? I know the Glasgow Giants did have a bit of a partnership with the Wimbledon Hawks for that uh, tournament, but how did you find them and, and, for example, the Glasgow Sharks and how their development's coming along compared to some of the London teams? Um, yeah, I mean, the Glasgow Sharks, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've got quite a few of the rugby girls in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they are naturally just always, you know, um, really strong um you know, you have to move the ball around a bit more to, you know, to get past those girls because they do read the game well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, they put up a really good fight. Um, and there's quite a few of our GB girls um, that play for the Sharks as well. So that was always quite an interesting game when you're playing against, like, some of your, you know, your teammates and stuff. So that was, uh, that was a good battle. And, of course, uh, we know that there's some spots on the line for the GB Swans for IC17. So, out of your Nottingham team, who did you felt uh, performed best on the day for the tournament? Yeah, so uh, Laura, our captain, she got um, best and fairest on ground. Um, you know, she's just misconsistent. So, week in, week out, she you know, she plays well, plays strong. Uh, Lee, our, um, our rook, you know, she's incredible. She's come away with some absolute bruises and 
like peaches all over her body this weekend. She's just, she's relentless as well. She just doesn't give anybody a second. Um, you know, so they're like two really strong players. Um, you know, Beth swept up in the defence. And a couple of our new girls, they, um, well, they all did really well. Uh, Lucy Geedon, she uh, took some phenomenal marks in the um, in the final, and that was actually just really really nice to see because you know th- these girls that came with us for the Scorpions, they only started training in February, um, you know, and then so a couple of months later they're they're on that pitch, you know, and then made the world of a difference to that team. So that was, they were really really good, and we just hope that they're all going to you know come down and try for. Uh, the England Vixens and um, there's a few spots still available for the GB uh, squad going out to the IC so you know the more girls that we can get down to the trials the the better so hopefully there'll be uh, be a few more Scorpions showing up in the line So what does the year ahead look like for the Nottingham Scorpions considering you're not a team in a competition is it just a case of most of the girls now going down to play in London are you looking for more scratch matches for the Scorpions to play? Yeah, so, I mean, definitely we want to try and get some more scrap matches to play. It's just, it, it will be difficult moving forward in the next couple of months because the London League will start in May. And so every Saturday we'll be going down there to play. Um, and hopefully we'll take the four or five girls with us um, each week. But there are a couple of uh, weekends where we don't have games for the Lions. Um, so we're going to try and set up some some more games up here and support our men's team so when they've got like one of their big headers then we will um, either like play before them and stuff so um, we're going to try and do some work with some of the Welsh girls uh, we're going to do like a training session up in Wales to try and promote the um, you know the participation up there it might be that moving forward we might get quite a few of those Welsh girls that could come down and like play our girls um, in July, we're looking at um, you know trying to get a scrap match then. So, just any like anybody that wants to play, really, um, you know, we've got quite a few uh, teams in the Manchester area. That might be that we try and just try and get some women from there to come along with the men's teams and just kind of if anybody can play and pitch in, they don't have to have like a, a team as such. Everything that we do really is just trying to improve the participation here in England. Um, to, you know, obviously just to spread the passion and, and the love for the game that, that we all have. And you said about uh, spreading the word of the game. How easy has it been to do that now, considering that you can now stream online and, and show to these girls the AFL women's competition that's just being played here in Australia? Yeah, I mean, it was unreal and, 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 and incredible timing um, of the women's uh, games out there, really, because it's all just been a massive lead-up for us into the IC. So, you know, every every weekend we had, we've streamed all the games, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, um, you know, we had the girls round, we were like, we had the book out, we were looking at stuff, writing things down, taking all the tactics and like, it's just been an absolutely, um, like, you know, real steep learning curve, you know, obviously we're all still relatively new to the game, so watching those games was really, really good. And one of the Demons girls, actually, at the weekend said about doing, um, like an, a footy education, a, like a footy school um, evening. And we hadn't really thought about it because, you know, like when you, I mean, we obviously were we raised here to play soccer and there's always soccer on at the weekend. So I think because it's always on, you kind of watch more of it. Whereas the other rules, we obviously don't really get to watch much of it. So she was saying about, you know, having a footy school, getting some of the games, 
um, you know, on the TV and stuff and talking and coaching some of the girls through that as one of their sessions. So I think we're definitely going to do that with the Scorpions um, and use that to, like, move forward. Uh, and obviously it's just really good prep for the IC. And I think the best thing for us now is that we've got the London League coming up. So we've had these, um, you know, at the training with the Scorpions and that will continue all through the summer. Uh, but also, you know, as soon as the London League starts, we can go back, watch some of the games online, think about some of the things that they've done there and, and try and put that into practice on a Saturday. That's fantastic to hear about the development of the game over there in the UK. Now, we need to also focus just quickly on the UK Swans, uh, pardon me, the GB Swans there in the UK. Um, you've actually got a, a bit of a practice game coming up for them as well. You've got the tournament, uh, including the Irish Banshees and the Canada Midnight Suns uh, coming up in May. Yeah, um, that's going to be an interesting one with our, uh, our main competitors. Um, but, you know, we're just using it as a training experience. You know, we'll get around and talk to the coaches and, you know, it'll be a really good chance for the squad to get together properly and um, and have a, you know, a, an ideal game of, of and have a look at where we're going to be and, and some of the things that we're going to try and do when we're out in the IC. Um, you know, a lot of the GB Swans are all um, training. They're all, uh, most of them will be playing in the London League. So the, the preparation really, it, it starts now. Well, it's, you know, it started previously, but making sure that we get down there and show the Banshees and um, and the Canadians, you know, what we're what we're made of already. We want to put a bit of threat into them so they can go away and rethink some of their strategies to make sure that we get some good games. So it'd be good. And, of course, then in August, uh, Melbourne for IC17. Now, like a few players we've spoken to, they've never been to Melbourne before, so it's quite an experience for them. But for yourself, I know you've been there because you've mentioned in your IC17 interview the legendary St Kilda Cake Shops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we, took a, we took a head down St Kilda. Yeah, it was really good. We just went for, you know, well, we had tea. I wrote in there about coffee, but... I'm not a big coffee drinker, but I'll go and have a nice cup of tea and um, and we hit some cakes down there. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good place to hang out. Well, Renee, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. Congratulations on uh, being selected in the GB Swans to come down to Australia for IC17 and congratulations on being winners of the Haggis Cup last weekend. Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, having us, and then um, maybe we'll see you down there. Now, as we put this podcast together, we did hear some news that uh, involves the GB Swans and all the teams that are playing in the AFL International Cup for the Women's Division. The grand final venue has been announced. Uh, last time around in 2014, it was held at Punt Road Over, where Canada defeated Ireland. Uh, this year, the 2017 AFL International Cup Women's Grand Final will be held at Eddie Had Stadium on Saturday, August 19th. It is a curtain race for the men's AFL Round 22 game between Carlton and Hawthorne. Should kick off around about 4.30 p.m. Melbourne time. So lock that in your diary. Saturday, August 19th, Eddie Had Stadium for the AFL International Cup Women's Grand Final. Time to focus on State League footy back here in Australia. And I've got on the line a NAB rising star from the Fremantle Dockers. She's now back at her home club in the WAWFL being Swan Districts. It's great to have Ashley Sharp on the line. Ashley, how does it feel to be back in the Swan Districts black and white stripes? Yeah, it's um, amazing to be back. Um, I missed round one, um, but I was back in round two and I've uh, been waiting for it the whole off-season. I've um, been at Swans my whole life, so it's been an honour to be back out there this weekend. 
Now, speaking to Nicole Graves, and she told me around 100 women have been training at Swan Districts in the lead-up to this season. Yeah, that is um, very true. So the Friday night or the Wednesday night before our first game against East Fru, we had about 92 girls down at training. So you can imagine how hard it would be for Nicole to try and split all those girls into just two teams. And I guess that also raises the question as well for yourself and obviously for other players that are coming back from AFLW. How's it been trying to get to know all the new faces and get to know everyone's particular quirks and styles out there on the field? Yeah, it's been tough. Um, I felt like last year I just learnt everybody's names and I've come back a couple of weeks ago and now I've got to learn another 50 new names, which is probably the hardest thing to do at the football club. And one of the coaching staff being talking about to the players at the Swans now that you're the hunted again this season, you're the reigning premiers, the others are coming after you. Yeah, um, just keep everything basic. Um, do the same as we did last year. Um, well, we've got um, Nicole as our coming back as coach this year, so it's a bit different, but we're just going to keep doing the same as we have been and hopefully have a bit of success again this year. And, of course, you had the grand final replay in round one and a tough encounter just getting over the line by 11 points against East Frio. Yeah, that was a um, tough first game with all of our AFLW players were out, obviously. Um, but, yeah, East Frio came out strong. They were leading the whole game. Um, but I think they just we just were, had a bit more fitness and stayed strong in the last quarter and really never dropped our heads and kept going all the way to the end. Round two, football, Fremantle Oval. How did it feel to be pulling back on the boots and uh, heading back out there for Swan Districts, uh, taking on uh, South Frio? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, being back at Frio just reminded me of playing for the Dockers. Um, yeah, it was good to be back. It was a, my first game back in about four or five weeks, so it was really tough. But, yeah, just very happy to be back and playing with my black and whites. Three goals, haven't lost any touch. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty lucky. They all came in the second half, so I didn't really have a good first half. But, yeah, my teammates just trusted me. And, yeah, we got over the line. 5-3-33-2-4-16, so fairly close at half time. You blew out the margin in the end, kicking 7-7 uh, to just the one behind. What was said in the change rooms at half time? Um, we really just needed to pick it up. Like We were really slow off our feet, looked really kind of uneasy, and um, we just came out at half-time raring to go. We really needed to make sure we were playing playing good for our big round three matchup against Titans. Yeah, indeed, that is coming up. Before we touch on that, interested to get your thoughts on some of the uh, other round two results. Uh, Titans, of course, had the bye in uh, round one, and they uh, gave West Perth a, a bit of a win, 93-26 to the Titans. Yeah, um, Titans are definitely a quality side. They're going to be the same as they have been, very strong this year and tough to beat. So just really looking forward to that game, and I'm sure all their AFL players will be back for round three against us. Thunderbirds with a big win, 118 over the Perth Angels, six. Yeah, I've noticed that they actually won their first two games by very big margins, so they're doing very well um, with their AFL players back in their list as well. So their their junior girls have been developed really well, and they've come up and playing some league games now. And finally, um, I, I guess we could call it the upset of the round. Uh, East Frio three seven twenty five were beaten by Claremont four seven thirty one. Yeah, um, not really sure what happened there. I didn't actually know the scores until you just told me just then. Um, so, yeah, just it just shows that anybody can win, really, in this competition. And as you said, you've got the Coastal Titans coming up. That is a round three clash, but that's going to be in a couple of weeks' time, Sunday 23rd of April at Still Blue Oval. 
of course, the Easter break's in there. So what's the preparation like with training, etc., through this week and a half? Yeah, well, we train tomorrow night um, and then we've get, got the long week off. But then we'll be back on track next week, ready to go against Titans on next Sunday. Uh, by that stage, you're hoping to have some of your players back or you're looking at pretty much the same round two squad to uh, go into that game? Uh, no, we'll definitely have some of our AFL players back. Um, we'll be struggling with the point system a bit to try and fit everyone in. But, yeah, we're definitely going to try and get back as many of the girls as we can. And just before we let you go, Ash, obviously, as you said, you were missing some AFLW players, but that allows opportunities for others to come up through the ranks. Uh, who are some of those that are starting to come into your side that have been given that opportunity that's impressed you? Yeah, um, we've got likes of Courtney Eugle, who's been doing very well. Um, we have Emma Maguire, um, Taylor McAuliffe, our two young guns who are over in Melbourne at the moment for the, um, I think it's the NAV Academy. Um, so there are two young guns that are coming up um, playing league footy for us this year. Well, Ash, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best throughout the remainder of the 2017 WAWFL season. Yeah, thank you and thanks for having me. As we mentioned during that interview for the state leagues around the country, they are taking a break this weekend for Easter. But let's have a look at the round two action across most of the competitions. We just covered off the WAWFL heading up to Queensland for the QWAFL round two action there. Corporu Kings, what a big win over the Wilson Grange Gorillas in their game. 8-13-61 to 1-3-9. Closer game between the UQ Red Lions and Maroochydore. Uh, the Red Lions 5-9-39 defeating the Roos 2 2-6-18. And the Zilmiri Eagles, 2-1-13, lost to the reigning Premiers, the Coolangatta Tweed Bluebirds, 19-10-124. The reigning Premiers winning by 111 points. Yoronga South Brisbane there with the bye. Heading across to AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, UGS Shamrocks, 1-4-10, were beaten by the Sydney Uni Bombers, 10-16-76. Newtown Breakaway, 6-7-43, lost to Southern Power, 9-7-61. Auburn Penrith Giants, 9-12-66, defeated the Western Wolves 2-1-13 and the reigning premiers, the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Stingrays 10-14-74 defeated Macquarie University no score uh, across to Canberra where technically they haven't played round one yet, it's been their second week of competition, they had an early round 13 game and this week they had an early round 14 game between uh, the Rams and the Lions the Riverina Lions 2-6-18 uh, lost to the ADFA Rams 5-4-34 and as repeated uh, for those competitions, there is now an Easter break coming up and they'll be returning the week after. Another competition that will be returning soon for, well, their round one is the uh, Tasmanian Women's League, now known as the Tasmanian State Women's League because there has been a uh, overhaul of footy for women in Tasmania. And to talk about that, I've got on the line the Football Development Manager at AFL Tasmania in Lee Elder. Lee, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, since we spoke to you last a year ago, there's been a big restructure, hasn't there? right across Tasmanian women's football. Yeah, most certainly. We held our female football forum in November last year with the aim to correct three deficiencies. Uh, we just had one senior women's competition, so therefore that was trying to balance both high performance and participation levels all at the same time, which it does get a bit confusing and is not probably beneficial for the growth of female football. So we wanted to correct and actually have a high performance competition as well as regional, which is more participation-level competitions. Uh, and we also needed to set up a structure to make sure we got the most out of our all-girls Kick program. 
Now, just to explain, obviously, uh, for those at home that are outside of Tasmania, uh, for example, you've got in the former Tasmanian Women's League, you had a mix of elite players and some that were playing social footy because that was then the only women's competition. Um, particularly for those uh, that don't have an idea of the Tassie map, how long is that drive actually for, say, those that were playing in Burnie having to go all the way down to Hobart? Yeah, most certainly. Well, it ends up being about a 12-hour day by the time you, you travel, you prep, you play and you travel back. So it was a huge commitment just to play effectively regional community football. So we needed to get that structure uh, completed because you had players that you just mentioned before um, with regards to Brittany Gibson, Emma Humphreys and Elise Gamble all playing for Bernie, uh, travelling uh, 12 hours and, and playing against uh, sort of regional, more social teams. So we needed to get that system fixed and thankfully 2017 sees a start of a new structure. So the TSLW, as it's uh, named now, uh, will start later this month and that will include uh, Bernie, Launceston, Clarence, Glenorchy and the Tigers and that'll be a high performance competition so they're list managed similar to the way the AFLW is where they have senior players as well as rookies so the ones that are talented coming through our state youth girls academy and we'll also be starting three regional competitions uh, one for the south one for the north and one for the northwest so the bottom line is our growth in senior women's footy has gone from eight teams to 19 teams in the state. That is fantastic to hear. But as you said, five teams in the TSWL. Um, for those, have they adopted some of the changes from AFLW? I think things we look at include uh, ball size, players on the fields, time, etc. Uh, all exactly the same. We want to mirror that. And it's part of a trial. And we understand the AFLW was also a trial at that as well. But we were reasonably impressed with the outcomes. So we've adopted them um, and similar adoptions actually for the regional competitions as well. And there was a couple of points in just making sure that everyone understood that if we're going to expand so quickly, then let's take the real pressure off, uh, not expect every club to have 24 ready to go. Let's make it the 20, 16 and 4. Uh, we don't need to have six on the bench, Tassie's weather is certainly not as hot as Brisbane is in February uh, and obviously we're just playing this in the winter competition. And as we said, five in the TSWL. Um, what are the numbers looking like for each of the respective southern, north and northwestern competitions? So two of the regional competitions are five teams and one is four. So in the south we've got five teams. Um, we may have a late inclusion for a six, but we're working through that at the moment. The north will have four and the northwest will have five teams. And, of course, they're linked directly to those TSLW clubs as well. So the players not selected for the TSLW will filter back through the regional competitions, which therefore those competitions get to see some talented players and those experience are more of a high-performance model. So the girls that are coming through the system or new to the sport can see what the higher level looks like as well. Uh, and the important thing is underneath that, we've actually also expanded our youth and junior girls competition. So we've gone from three competitions in that space to six, and our total numbers of teams have gone from 35 teams last year to 59 teams uh, for 2017. Uh, and from 2015, there were only eight teams in the state because there was only the senior women's competition. So Tassie's gone from... The, out of the traditional states of being the lowest in club participation rate. To 2016, we went to the highest and taking another step forward in 2017. 
And as you mentioned uh, earlier with the Auskick program, what does the funnel look like now going from Auskick all the way through to TSWL? Yeah, so basically we've now got a complete uh, pathway, which is exactly what we wanted. So we've got the, uh, obviously, age groups for Auskick, uh, a five to eight. Then we've got our junior girls models and some of the regions have got multiple age groups in that situation. So that covers the nines to twelves. Then we've got our youth girls model, 13 to 17s. And your senior women's are obviously 17 plus. And then, of course, as you said, uh, from the regional competition into the uh, TSWL, what are the hopes, obviously, at, at senior level? Will there be representative football this year or the years going forward, some type of system to showcase those better players to hopefully uh, get picked up in the AFLW draft going forward? Yeah, most certainly. So part of what we're completing now is um, we're just about to release all the players that go to the uh, to the competitions, the relevant competitions, but we've also got a state academy and uh, obviously with Darren Flanagan's assistance, we've actually adopted the model Victoria's got. Um, but Tassie being different in its demographics has had basically three regional academy hubs and then for the Youth Girls Academy, we also linked through state training, which was a statewide one, which we've been doing uh, every weekend for the past three months. Um, that group will obviously play in the... Uh, AFLW under 18 national championships and we're just looking for the platforms and obviously the the North Melbourne um, pre-season game that was conducted at Arden Street was a classic example of how we're linking with North Melbourne to provide our older players the opportunity to be showcased in front of the recruiters. And I guess that's the big thing for Tassie football, isn't it, to hopefully uh, maybe mimic somewhere that's happened in Darwin. We've seen the Crows partnership where Adelaide, uh, there'll be about 20 players training there, another seven or eight or so training up in Darwin. Is that something to look forward to for Tassie football, to hopefully have, obviously Hawthorne and North Melbourne both have a presence in Tasmania on the men's front. Is that something to look at possibly so therefore we don't have, like this year year where uh, Woosher, Brittany Gibson, uh, Emma Humphreys and um, Elise Gamble all actually had to relocate? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's going to be the way we look forward. And I think we can all look at uh, the Adelaide Crows model with great envy because what they were actually able to do was to keep Northern Territory players actually still residing in Northern Territory. And I think it's a fantastic move uh, and obviously worked very well. Um, there does come some inherent problems in, in managing those situations, but didn't they do, Beck Goddard and, and crew do a fantastic job in doing so? So it's like anything. If you get the processes right, you actually can get great performance out of uh, ensuring that people feel comfortable, they're living where they want to live, and they still can get involved in the highest level. And I think that's a great opportunity for Tassie in the future. Um, obviously, with Tassie having twice as the population of Northern Territory, uh, there's a, probably an argument to say that uh, once we get our systems right, and obviously you, you heard with the with the numbers, the the talent that went through, and I don't think any of our four girls disappointed that it was an AFLW level, that we've got an opportunity to even have a bigger group based out of Tassie, and potentially as the, the government and a few people have raised, there is the potential that Tassie can get um, a similar type model to what the Crows had uh, with Northern Territory and maybe a bit more based in Tasmania and I think that'll be fantastic and great for the public that have been great supporters of footy for a long period of time and never really had that true representation at the AFL level. And as they say, there's no better proof that it works than having a premiership in the trophy cabinet. <laughs> Absolutely. And 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 the weird thing was I, I was battling very hard on grand final day 
because I understood that if that system was successful, then really it's a door open for us. But I also had two Tassie girls playing for Brisbane, so um, a draw would have been fantastic in my mind and a replay the following week. And what has it meant for Tassie football, the AFL women's competition, particularly leading up into that uh, grand final for the Brisbane Lions? Not only having two players play, but Wusha was on the front page of the Mercury. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible, and, and we shouldn't forget of how many times uh, Brit appeared both on the front page and the back page of The Advocate in the Northwest, being obviously the, the major poster girl for the Northwest with their great success up there in Brisbane. Uh, but the, look, the bottom line is that we had the same effect as it did right around the country, and uh, unfortunately, I, I missed uh, the opportunity um, because we had our own uh, academy training but uh, missed the opportunity of being at Icon Park for that first historic game. And I think we all felt it then, and I've been in this space for over a decade, and uh, it just it was like a great reward to us all. And uh, it was an amazing event, and we felt it in Tasmania as much as every other state did. Um, and we were very proud of our girls and very proud of their performances. And it's been an amazing success. Um, yes, there'll be a bit of fine-tuning. Um, we all didn't know what to expect and what the results were going to be, but it's just been outstanding. And so many fantastic stories have come out of the season. It's been wonderful. Now, uh, Brittany and Jessica and uh, Elise have all uh, chosen to stay uh, in Queensland and Victoria, respectively. But Emma Humphreys is coming back to Tasmania. What does that mean to have her playing and as an assistant coach at the Bernie Dockers? Well, even better than that, she'll be part of the AFL TAS staff. Uh, so during the week, she's going to help us develop and, and obviously we'll be very keen to have her involved in the, the talent pathways for us uh, in the female space, but also developing footy on the northwest. So that'll be absolutely fantastic having Emma back. Uh, we understand, uh, obviously, with the Elise situation, she's got to balance um, the study and the work um, and keeping the opportunities there, that is fine. Uh, and, of course, Brittany and Jessica have got fantastic employment opportunities via uh, the Brisbane Lions and great work that they actually did there to make sure that the girls felt wonderfully comfortable. Um, obviously, we're hopeful if we ever get to the situation where we've got an opportunity in a group uh, or a licence based in here. We'll love to see them back, but we'll, they're ours. Uh, they'll always be ours, and we'll be proud of them no matter what they do. And we just hope they continue playing at AFLW level. And, Lee, just before we go, of course, for those keeping an eye on Tassie footy, just reminding again, what are those dates uh, kicking off for the TSWL and the respective regional competitions? So the first game will actually be a regional competition in the north. That'll be uh, Roachley taking on Avondale. That'll be played at Roachley on Friday night, the 28th. And uh, on the 29th of April will be the first uh, kick-off for the TSLW. And most other games will be played either on that Saturday or on that Sunday. So that's the weekend. All our competitions start together. Well, Lee, thank you very much for your time. And we wish you all the very best in uh, running the Tasmanian State Women's League and the various regional competitions there down in the Apple Isle. And who knows, maybe in a couple of years' time, we will see a partnership with uh, Tasmania, whether they're North Melbourne or Hawthorne. So there's some Tassie gangs and players still based and training down in Tasmania, like the successful partnership that we've seen with the Adelaide Crows and AFL-NT. Time to preview the Victorian Football League women's competition. We're still a while away from starting. The competition doesn't commence until May 6 and 7, but still we're going to get some early predictions in prior to Easter, and I've got on the line girlsplayfooty.com co-founder in Katie Lambeski and our 
very special comments person, statistician extraordinaire for girlsplayfooty.com radio and Christy Williams. Ladies, thank you very much for joining us. Let's talk uh, the teams and where we think they're going to sit for this season, including our top four predictions. We'll focus first on the two new teams. Uh, Knox Falcons and North Geelong Magpies have both gone down to community football, replaced respectively by the Geelong Cats AFL club fielding a team and Hawthorne via their VFL affiliate Box Hill fielding a team in the competition. We focus first on the Geelong Cats, Christy, and, uh, well, they've still got some of the key North Geelong Magpies players, haven't they, including some AFLW players uh, coming back, like uh, Lily Mithin, Matty Boyd, and Rochelle Cranston. Yeah, and they've also picked, we've seen how successful some of the talent search uh, athletes have been, and they've picked up a few pretty talented ones there as well, which is a good way to obviously build interest for it, but obviously they've got some really good athletes on their hands as well to fill up that gap. I mean, we saw um, last season with the, the gap between Maddie Boyd and, and Lily Mifflin and players like that to the, you know, to the, I don't want to say it, but the poorest players in the team was very, very large. So hopefully this is, um, you know, creating a more even spread of team. And it's exciting to see, at least from the Geelong perspective, which is what the only thing we really know, really. And as well um, uh, to Katie, they, they've got a few experienced players in that side. Krista Woodruff, who, who's been around for a bit. Brooke Surgeon, who used to be a gun player up in uh, Sunbury, has been picked up by them. Beck Goring, who, of course, was a defender at Melbourne Uni, has uh, also ended up there as well. So they've, they've managed to pick up a hand of, I, I wouldn't call them star players, but at least some uh, experienced players. You need that. I think you definitely need the top compliments to You need those kind of calm heads to kind of bring everyone to bring everyone along with you. You know, um, yeah, it's not it's not necessarily about a group of individuals. It's about a team, and that comes along in many different ways. And they've picked up really well. And you know, I think they're well they're more well placed than they were last year. I guess last year was a bit more of a developing year. They've had the taste of the AFL football, and now I think they'll be better off for it for this year. And yeah, there's definitely uh, some handy additions made there. And look out as well for uh, former netballer Aaron Hoare, um, who's uh, number 46 and probably playing in the ruck, as you would expect for uh, the Geelong Cats. The uh, Box Hill Hawks, in a way, um, we know that Abby Tanner from the Eastern Devils have uh, gone across. Um, otherwise, it's uh, no big names have been announced officially for the Box Hill Hawks, but the uh, the rumour, of course, was going around that uh, Mo Hope was going to end up there, but no. Uh, no one knows anything the wiser at the moment. Yeah, and, and she probably won't even play, even if she does end up there. She, I doubt she'll be playing any games anyway. Um, so it, it may be a, a moot point for them even, I guess. The only, uh, I guess, big name they've uh, come out with so far, if you can, if you can say that, but it's more of a cross-code athlete. Former WNBL basketballer Chantella Pereira uh, is going to be lining up for the Box Hill VFLW teams, but at the moment they're keeping their cards very close to their chest. Let's have a look at the VFL sides uh, going backwards. Uh, let's start, uh, Katie, with the reigning premiers, the Darabin Falcons. It'll be an interesting start to the year for them because... If my mail is right, they might be missing for the first couple of games the likes of Katie Brennan and Astor O'Connor, who are trying to get over their respective injuries from the AFLW season. Yeah, well, that's an interesting little storyline in, in that to watch for the rest of the season. How exactly did AFLW players back up for the, v, the VFLW? Um, with Darabin, yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, they're stars, you know what they're good at. They're the reigning premise for a reason, they're a powerhouse club. 
I do wonder if this is the year that they kind of slide it, that their reign ends. Um, big call, I know, but again, not being, I don't think being able to train as a club while you, while you have all your players elsewhere in the AFL clubland, it's, I, I guess it's harder to, to bond, it's harder to work as a team if you haven't been doing it out on the training track over time. So it's definitely an interesting plot line. There's plenty of class in that squad. There's plenty of talent there. We know that, but um, how, how exactly that plays out is going to be uh, fascinating to watch. I guess one thing as well, Christy, that what we revealed from the AFLW season for Darabin is uh, because the players got split up, it was a chance for some of the younger Darabin stars to, well, I say, step out of the shadows of uh, the likes of Pierce Hickey and uh, Brennan, who would have the media spotlight. And we saw Darcy Vessio, leading goal kicker, that brilliant first game. And we saw Jessica Dalpos uh, stamp herself as a tackling machine up at GWS. Yeah, and even someone like Nat Exxon, um, who who probably faded a bit, obviously, after injury, but she had a brilliant start. So, um, I mean, in that respect, it's, it's it's good to see the different names, you know, being put forward in the competition, but it also, I mean, also puts a little bit more pressure on them as well from a different perspective. When we think about it like that, now, now they are going to have to stand up when they haven't when I haven't usually been asked or expected to. So that's a, a different narrative about that that sense um, and what Katie was talking about as well. And now they, they probably will have to step up and that's, that's what we're going to wait and see. See how it goes. And I guess, as we mentioned just earlier with the injury, uh, Katie, but we should mention with Asta O'Connor, when she does come back in after missing a year and a half of football with the Darabin Falcons, the trick is where to slot her in now because two years ago, Asta's the one of the first starters in the side. She is the ruck. She is the force. But, boy, in just two years alone, the style of football, the game itself has changed. And now it's like, well, where does Asta actually fit in? Yeah, that's a fair comment. I think... Uh she, I think she still has a lot of quality there as a defender. Um, I'm not, I, you know, it might be a case of her ruck days being over or very much a part-time ruck. She still has plenty to offer, I think. Um, injury permitting, obviously. It would be interesting to see how she recovers from, you know, you know her injuries obviously sustained in the AFRW season. But, yeah, again, another another plot line you've got to watch for. But, you know, I'd, I'd back her into, you know, to... Uh, remind everyone of just how good she is. Melbourne University, the side that finished uh, runners-up last year, um, and I know, uh, Christy, you absolutely loved the game of uh, Emma Carney. You had her down for 37 disposals. She was the first woman to break 30 disposals in the shortened AFLW format. Her and, of course, um, Ali Blackburn ripping it up And what was pretty much you know, a, a tough season for the Bulldogs. Yeah, and, and it's not at all a cheat kind of... We've seen how Hawthorne have started sliding down a bit in the first couple of rounds and um, Tom Mitchell has been racking up huge disposal numbers but absolutely wasting it and kicking it 30 and 40%. That's what makes uh, Ellie and Emma so unique and so special is, is Emma gives them so much drive and she gains a lot of metres as well. It's not about cheap handball. She's... Um, she's a, obviously a really special player in, in lots of ways, but she certainly doesn't waste them all. And I think that's what's even more impressive that she's putting up numbers, but she's she's you know she's pushing them forward. She's breaking lines. She's you know getting it inside fifty as well. So that's what I mean. That's why she's so important in Melbourne Uni, and why she's going to be even more important as you know players like Ellie and um, you know Deanna Berry and players like that start to grow up a bit. 
Well, yeah, you mentioned the Berry name. That's one of the stars there. Uh, Caitlin Ashmore, I believe, will be coming back to Melbourne Uni. I thought she was 50-50, but uh, the money is it looks like she'll be pulling on the boots there. Nicole Kildebrand, I'm hearing a rumour that she'll stay up in Queensland. So that means they would lose two defenders, Hildebrand and Goring. But on the other side, Katie, uh, they get Lauren Spark back after her adventures in London. And Spark, no doubt, will be bringing with her Kate Shearlaw. And all of a sudden, they've now got two forward options. They have got, uh, obviously, Anderson, who's played at Melbourne and you bring Kate Sheila who played for Carlton into the squad and all of a sudden from years ago when we said Melbourne Uni have got no forward line all of a sudden they're looking a little threatening yeah it looks far more dynamic and more options which I think they definitely need um may have cost them you know may have cost them a little bit in grand final time as well look you need you need options you need to put the goals on the board as much as anything else and the more options you have, the better. Um, good to see Spark back uh, back in the country playing now. She had a decent season at AFLW level. So, yeah, um, it's a bit of a coup to have them both back. Let's have a look at the St Kilda Sharks, who, of course, finished uh, third as well. Leading to earlier, um, it had been reported in the, the Port Phillip Leader newspaper that um, Shaw Smith wasn't quite sure if uh, Mo was coming back. As we said earlier, we thought the rumours are that she'd gone to Box Hill. Um, so the question is, if she is gone um, on the list or not, if she doesn't play for the season, uh, Christy, where do the St Kilda Sharks find 100 goals? Well, they lost by 100 um, in the semi-final with her in it, so... I mean, she didn't get anywhere near it. So, I mean, she's she's already come out and said that she she wouldn't be playing for the first three quarters of the season anyway, and it's too late. When you've built your structures for that long, and if she comes back in, I guess it's a bit of a bonus. But you win games in the midfield and, and those high half forwards, and they just don't have the depth in there yet. So I don't think it really matters if Mo's there or not. And we've, we've shown that, um, those stats before that, you know, she's kicked a lot of goals, but she kicked them um, usually against the weaker team. So, I mean, it's going to—I think it's, it's going to affect them. Even if she is on the list, it's, it's going to be massive for them either way, and they'll, they'll be a lot, a lot riding on Brianna Davies' shoulders. I think. I guess one uh, thing, uh, Katie, for uh, the Sharks is they've got the young brigade. They've got the likes of the Tilly Lucas rod. I mean, Bree Davies still fairly young, and she's dominating in the middle. And it looks like as well they picked up Ruby Schleicher from uh, a ruck, 18-year-old ruck from Collingwood. Handy pick up that one is um, again missing. Kind of it goes back to another. It goes back to the point of just how how VFL clubs are going to handle those those girls. Are. I can't beat my VFL season. Uh, a five-star season, so it's going to be, it's going to be definitely be a challenge. I wouldn't, I would just about expect them not to play every game, but I don't think that's a possibility. Um, so again, that leaves kind of space for others to step up as well, as Christy pointed out earlier. Um, yeah, so you know, in regards to my hope, it's you know, it might force others to step up, it might force a, a better forward line, more more options, more of a threat, more mobile. It's you know, the, yeah. I think from you know, from you know, one opportunity, you know, one opportunity goes away, another can present itself as well. So, again, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't like them off by any means. 
Let's have a look at the Eastern Devils. They finished uh, fourth and uh, lost their semi-final and uh, out of the series. Uh, much improvement from them over the last couple of years. Uh, the big out, it appears, I think Sarah Perkins is staying in Adelaide because she does have a job there with um, with Reese Plumbing and uh, they love her over there. So wouldn't be blaming Perko if she was uh, staying in South Australia. But they managed to pick up uh, the following players. Not only the Canadian in Valley Moreau attacking midfielder, they've obviously picked up Stacey Livingston, who I think played more a defensive role at Collingwood, even though she played in the forward line of kick goals at Port Melbourne Colts. But the big one, of course, Christy, is they have got Emma King. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, when that was announced, it was, well, I, I know we've spoken about it, probably expected it, but that is one, that was one of the, the places they, they did struggle um, last last season. We, obviously, I'm a big fan of the, the Devils and um, Perko had to do a bit in the ruck, which is not where she's fully dangerous. And, you know, obviously, well, we love her and she's a great player. It, it, it really frees up, you know, players like Sarah Darcy and, you know, the four players to do what they do best and, and not have to cover. So having a ruck, um, a, a pure, she's just a really pure tap ruckman in the kind of Max Gorn style, um, to be able to give, you know, her, her midfielders first use. I mean, that's that's where they did stumble a bit last season and that's a pretty exciting pick-up for them. Um, and, and I guess the buzz around the club and the marketing of it as well. And also as well, Katie, they will get back into the season, I think probably around June, if I'm right. They'll get back Jess Trend as well, who did her ACL. And at the time that she had done it, she was actually looking in pretty damn good form and, in my opinion, would have been drafted if not for, the, for that injury. Yeah, she was one of the keys to, you know, to their revival kind of thing, why they stepped up the ladder under Brendan Major. So, yeah, um huge positive to have her back. Um, you know, hopefully she comes back as the same player. She obviously had a great run of form, as you said. And, you know, I, I would certainly think she'd have her eyes on the AFRW draft, um, getting to a club. So it's a, a definite, a definite boon uh, for them. Let's have a look at the VU Western Spurs. Um, of course, a big improvement from them the previous year. And, uh, uh, Katie, I'll start with you. A mind-blowing four senior sides they're going to put out in the park this year, considering that just two years ago, the Spurs as a club were struggling to field two teams and they were getting beaten every game. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's a testament to the character of the people there, of all the hard work that's been put in and making the move to Footscray a more a more central location for players, I guess you can say. Um, it's been a real it's been a real boon for us in terms of recruiting to recruiting and in terms of coaching and all the people that we're bringing in, they wanna be there. It's a great environment. So yeah, happy uh, happy to see us grow like that and no, it's certainly not the end. And, uh, Christy, looking at the Spurs uh, forward line as well, I know we focused a bit on Frankie during our, our calls of the season last year, but the player that stood up for them and will return, no doubt, to the forward line this year is Elisa Mifsud. Uh, Mifsud was yeah. part of the revival against uh, that game against Collingwood, which turned the whole fortunes of the Demons around for the season. Uh, she was buddy-esque. Honestly, it was every time in that game. And, and she, it wasn't a one-off. She, she's clearly shown signs of it in lots of games. She was, every time it went near her, she was just um, unstoppable. And I was actually, I mean, I remember watching it with a, a male friend who'd never really seen AFL win before. And, and he, he thought, this this person is an absolute jet. If this is what the, if she's not the best forward, then what's the best forward like? So, 
she's making a pretty big impression. She's yeah, she's just a presence, and that's pretty. It's very undersold. That's a thing with fast bowlers as well, and with full forwards in particular. And if you don't have that presence, you, you're just not a dangerous player, and that's what makes her really exciting. And, of course, uh, White in the side as well. Can't forget Ashley Guest as, as some of their players. But the one thing that I'm, I'm looking at, Katie, I know you don't have the inside info, but I believe Elise Gamble will probably end up there. I believe she lives and works around the area where the Spurs are located. So there'd be a very good chance that she could end up there. And as we've known, that even though she played more on the forward line uh, for the Bulldogs, she is actually originally recruited from Tasmania as a ruck. Yeah, another a key... Uh a key player, I think she'll be um, someone who will go forward and hit goals and uh, can be an option there, can be an option in the ruck and give a, a kind of flexibility um, to the coaching staff and for, you know, to help, you know, put, put the, to help spread the load. So having, having an extra tool always helps. So um, definite, uh, definitely a great pickup for the Spurs and, um, you know, definitely want to watch throughout the season. Let's have a look at Diamond Creek and, uh, yes, my favourite side. After I said they'd missed the four last year, just quietly I was right. Um, but uh, this year, having a look at their side, Diana Haynes will be missing uh, due to motherhood. Congratulations, Diana. Uh, but we have a look at Tanya Hetherington coming back, which is a key for defence. Both coming back from injuries include, and they played for Carlton, mind you, in the AFLW, Katie Lawrence and Shay Audley. Shay had a great season. Um, and they've also, Christy, added to their side, Emma Grant, who was playing uh, midfield roles for Collingwood, and also Isabella Eyre, who uh, made the debut, I think, round two or three for Carlton and is shown as a young gun, very much uh, upside to her. Yeah, I mean they've they've clearly got a good spine of players. It's up to the it's up to those spine of players to take on take on the slack, which they didn't do last last season. We saw that a number of times that they underperformed, which meant the lesser players were forced to stand up a bit more, and they just couldn't handle it. And what what is good about seasons like that is it does lead to when those those good players are firing, like Chochi and. Um, and obviously Shay Audley's the, the heartbeat of the side, a fantastic player. When they're firing, these players that now had to take on more responsibility last season um, are now in a better position to do so. So, I mean, there's, there's always positives to come from a season like that. And I, I think they're going to they're be feeling pretty positive about it as well. And I guess the big revelation uh, for Diamond Creek and for, for the footy fans was the rookie pick to Melbourne, uh, Katie, being uh, the Irish woman herself, the legend in Laura Jurea. Um She ended up, I think, finishing sixth in Melbourne's best and fairest, mind you, behind the likes of Pierce, Hickey, Paxman, O'Day, Mithen. So, you know, fairly star-sided side. It's great to see. It's great to see that they, you know, took the chance to pick her up. Um, not, you know, Melbourne, um, a real handy addition to say the least. Um, and I, and no doubt she'll be a key for Diamond Creek this year. So, a, you know, a real positive for them and someone who I think they're going to rely upon to really, you know, help push that team. So, you know, excellent stuff. Let's have a look at the uh, Cranbourne side. And, of course, uh, players coming out of that, uh, playing in the AFLW, we had the likes of Wilds, McLeod, probably didn't set all the world on fire, but there were some other star players in there. Uh, Christy, Danielle Hardiman, and, of course, uh, Jacobson, Jacobson, should I say, uh, who was uh, sensational for Carlton and uh, really stamped her authority on AFLW. Well, yeah, one of our favourite players, 
at Girls Play Footy Radio is Danielle Hardiman. She got the award a couple of times, I think, at least once, um, to the player of the match. And she um, is the kind of player that stands out in a, in a poor side in the sense that she does some pretty good things when she comes off her opponent. And that's why she, she didn't get as noticed as much, but she got noticed by... The, the selectors and the, the coaches and things like that in the sense that she was nominated for the, the All-Australian squad. Um, and she's she's just going to get even better and she's the kind of player, I think, with the, the backline around her will now feel more confident and feel, you know, be more inspired, I think, by the way that she plays and the, um, you know, the, the attack that she allows um, from defence. She's a fantastic player and Jacobson as well is just a, a brute um, and... and probably one of the more underestimated stars of the AFLW. Uh, Christy, looking at the Seaford side, of course, they've had uh, Kim Ebber playing up at AFLW. Georgia Walker was a late inclusion into the uh, Collingwood list at only uh, 18, which was fantastic for her. Uh, also uh, added into the mix, the Carlton Giro of Sarah Hosking and Kate Gillespie-Jones. And it should be pointed out that Sarah's twin, of course, Jessica, is due back at some stage during the season, again, returning from an ACL. And yeah, and, and Jess was probably double the sister, not to be not to be harsh to Sarah, but Jess was double the sister, <laughs> double the player sister was. Um, in terms of stats, she was she was getting massive stats, Jess, before she really unfortunately hurt her knee. And actually, even then, as we've spoken about, it allowed her sister to to have a more prominent role, and she's just grown and grown as well. So that, there was the benefit of you know. The, benefit of that as well but what we saw when we went down to see for a couple of times is what they might have um, as opposed to some of the other middle clubs around that range is they have such a strong culture and it's really exciting to see and while you, you mentioned maybe it's maybe they might have challenges attracting players they certainly don't have troubles attracting spectators and that generates excitement in itself the, the culture down there is fantastic I love going down there um, besides the location to go and watch football there um, and that's that's a place that everyone wants to be, and you can only naturally get better from there. And that's what's really exciting for the players. Time to go for our famous top four selections. We're calling it early pre-Easter, three weeks out before uh, the season starts on May 6, May 7. Uh, Katie Lambeski, I'll look to you first. Who makes the top four this year, and who's your Premier? Um, I'm going to go with Melbourne Uni as the Premier. Um, you know, much more... Much more depth in terms of forward line. I think they can be well positioned to go one better this year. Obviously, to push Darabin, you know, a lot in that grand final. I think this is the year that they go one better. Um, I think they finish first. I'm going to go with Darabin in second place. I just think there's too much, uh, too much class there to to fall away in a heap. I think they'll be very much up there and still very much a team to beat. Um, in number three, I think I'm going to go with St Kilda. Um, just because I feel like they they have a they have a lot to prove this year. They've they've obviously been in finals the last few years, and I wasn't they can uh, push in. So again, third place for them. Um, as well as fourth, I'm gonna, I'm going to go out on a limb here, I guess, and go with uh, my my girls to be Western Spurs. Um, this is the year we kind of we grow up and take that next take that next level, more more forward line depth, a much more stronger unit, leaders, leaders across the park, a strong defensive team. I'm going to back us to, be, uh, to finish fourth. Christy Williams, who's your top four in Premier? Yeah, I'm going for Melbourne as well. I think 
Um, we've talked about the, the players that are coming back, but also for someone like Jess Anderson, who, I mean, they struggle with goals and, and, and things like that, but someone like her now becomes very dangerous because she doesn't have to take, you know, the first defender and maybe another defender. She was often double teamed and she's a, she's a talented girl. She's still learning the game. Um, and that's why I think they're now better poised. They've added depth in good areas. Um, and that's why I think they're, they're better poised. Darabin might have a tougher season, but as uh, like a team like Hawthorne does in the, in the men's side of things, when it comes to the, the crunch time, they'll be there and they'll win those moments. Um, so while they, they might not be undefeated this year, they certainly will be winning the finals and that's what they'll be primed for. Um, I think the Devils um, will finish. Uh, I think the Devils will finish third. I'm really excited by them as a, a club and as their culture as well. I actually think, um, instead of St Kilda, I'm going to go for um, VU Spurs. I think the the you know excitement of that club, um, it, it's there to see. Well, it's interesting. You both got uh, one side missing out, either the Devils or the Sharks, wanting to fall out for the Spurs to go in. I've got two sides falling out of my four. I am jumping on the bandwagon, though, for Melbourne Uni. I think they will win against Darabin. I just think it's a case of Darabin just might have... Because of a lot of players playing AFLW, they might have some sore bodies at the end. And considering Melbourne Uni's success in for their reserves in the lower divisions, I think they've just got that better depth to cover injuries uh, should that start to affect players uh, coming closer to finals time, courtesy of the long year that it's been. So Melbourne Uni for me to get the chocolates over Darabin, but in a close one. Darabin, as I said, to finish second. I have got in third position, hold on to your hats, I've got Diamond Creek making it. I think Diamond Creek put it all back together again this year. It's like Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall, but uh, they've managed to put all the pieces of the egg back together again. And that means I see both the Sharks and the Devils missing out. I think the Spurs will be squeezing into the four. So close, I think it might even come down to percentage. I think the Spurs would just edge out the Devils only because they've got the four sides and depth equals success. Four women's teams means there's a lot of pressure on spots. Absolutely. One thing I do want to touch on quickly is the the effect that I know I've struggled with in, in my career is the hangover effect. It affects different players differently. For some, they, they think they're better than they actually are, um, and they don't put the training level in that they had, and they expect it to happen more. Other players obviously get inspiration and want to go further and further. But, I mean, the other thing we've seen, um, lots of people posting on Insta about, you know, missing their, their teams, missing their families. Um, and it's a, it's a draining mental, draining mental health kind of aspect is, is the, the come down from that. Um, it, it's something to watch out for during the season because it's, I mean, playing in front of 200 people is a lot different to playing in front of 15,000. And it'll have an effect on everyone, whether it be good, bad, or, you know, some people just, it really affects it. It's something to watch out for, I think. And if anyone's if anyone's feeling that that hangover, hopefully the start of the VFL women's season really kickstarts them and gets that passion back, and you know they get really excited for the next VFL women's season, I guess. Christy. Katie, thank you both for your time and we look forward to uh, catching up with you throughout the VFL women's season with our broadcasts on girlsplayfooty.com radio. I'm Peter Holden. Just about time for me to get on out of here. Before I go, a quick reminder again that you can catch this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings, quarter past six Melbourne time on RSN Carnival Digital Radio. 
or you can download this podcast anytime via iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search for Girls Play Footy. Don't forget our Twitter at Girls Play Footy, and you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash girls play footy. Until next time, it's been a privilege having your company, and it's bye for now.